Absolutely. Yeah, whatever you want, man. That sounds good. All right, cool. Well, here we go in three, two, and one. What happened in Green Bay? A checked-out coach, a tuned-out quarterback, a soap opera where there should have been a dynasty, and those who saw the Aaron Rodgers-Mike McCarthy wreckage up close say, we didn't know the half of it. That is the title of a Bleacher Report article, lengthy article, behind-the-scenes look at the Green Bay Packers. The inner workings as told by Tyler Dunn and countless sources throughout the article. Tyler, former Packers beat writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He's a feature writer now for Bleacher Report, and he joins us on the line. Greetings, Tyler. Good to be back, buddy. It's been too long. It has been, and, and there's, there's always something monumental to talk to you about. Your work has been so great with Bleacher Report and, you know, really before that with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. I know you were tight with several former members of the Green Bay Packers, and, and they were ones who uh, gave you quotes here for the article that you wrote. When did you start this? When did you start thinking to yourself, you know what, I, I need to take a deeper dive into what really happened in Green Bay? Great question, I guess. Probably about the moment that a lot of folks there in Wisconsin, whether uh, you know they're in the media, their fans, or their players, whoever, were, were wondering the same question: What in the heck happened? I mean, what happened late, you know, early December? That loss to the Cardinals, McCarthy's fired. I mean, it was an inconceivable loss, an inconceivable moment um, for the franchise. I mean, just I just had those flashbacks to, to 2011. It was the first year. I was covering the team uh, for the Journal Sentinel, and I mean, you'd sit in that press box. I mean, you remember the feeling. It'd be a little close into the third quarter, and there's Aaron Rodgers booting one way or the other, thrown to a wide-open Greg Jennings, a wide-open Jordy Nelson. It was automatic. It was clockwork. As Ryan Grant put, they walked into meetings and basically, like, chuckled inside because they knew, you know, they didn't have to build up this opponent. They were, they were going to win. They were going to do whatever they wanted to on offense. How did it go from there to losing to the darn Cardinals, for crying out loud? Um, so I, that, I just started calling, you know, everybody I could um, in the old Rolodex, whether uh, they were personnel guys in the front office that maybe moved on to other teams or were still there, players that were there still, but <laughs> a lot of players who weren't, and just tried to piece together how it went from point A to point B and um, kind of kept it general. And, and really what, what, what came to light is there were two factions for the most part, a lot of folks who put the blame on the head coach and a lot of folks who put the blame on the quarterback, his leadership, all the stuff that the numbers and the highlights don't tell you. And I'm sure we'll get into it a lot. There's Ted Thompson. I'm, there's people banging the table for the coach and the quarterback and point to management, you know, not putting up much of a, an effort each, each March. But by and large, it comes down to the coach and the quarterback. They're the two most important people in the organization. Well, and, but as I read the article, Tyler, I think to your point, if you think Mike McCarthy is partially to blame for where the Packers are today, you have in your article reasons to support that. You also have reasons to support Aaron Rodgers for part of the reason the Packers are where they are today. I would also say your article suggests that Mark Murphy and Ted Thompson have a role. And, and that's my biggest takeaway, I guess. If you think Mark Murphy is somewhat responsible, you're right. If you think the same for Ted Thompson, you're right. I mean, you really can point this finger in a variety of directions. And, and the foundation, to me, to me, it started cracking following that NFC Championship game lost to Seattle. I don't think the team has ever recovered. But you suggest that this McCarthy-Rogers rift goes back to 2005. You just took the words out of my mouth. I mean, going in, the, the preconceived 
notion, idea, theory that, that I had was that NFC Championship game. And I would bring that up um, to, to basically everybody I talked to. Was it was that that moment, that collapse? I mean, they went in there to Seattle and just bludgeoned the Seahawks for 56 minutes, took it to them, and then, I mean, c- completely collapsed. I mean, they, and, and for, you know, I guess, what, 18, 19 plays had to go the wrong way for them to lose that game. But it's funny, there's a, not so funny for fans, but the analogy that one defensive starter used um, for that game to me was uh, like the movie The Perfect Storm. You know, it, I think George Clooney's in there, right? Or they're catching all these fish, and, and they're they're out at uh, out at sea just killing it, yet you know a storm's coming. You know that the truth will come to light. He said that game was exactly like that movie, that eventually the season would capsize because they were a soft team, and they would cave. Um, I thought it was that moment. I thought that was the breaking point for McCarthy and Rodgers. I, I was told I was wrong again and again. Uh, a, a lot of folks point to those winning seasons, 2010, 2011, as great as things were, seemed to be. Um, he's talking to people privately about bailing his coach out, being upset about the plays coming in, uh, the wrong personnel, this and that. And then Ryan Grant even goes further than that, and he points to the moment that Aaron Rodgers and Mike McCarthy came together because nobody in sports holds a grudge like Aaron Rodgers, which is a great thing, as he put that, that That's Kobe stuff, Jordan stuff. You want that out of your star, um, but it can be a bad thing. And he, and he held that grudge for a while. He was upset that McCarthy with the Niners chose Alex Smith over him. And it was clear, as another player put it, that it was a quote-unquote cancer in the locker room as early as then, as early as his, his first year as a starter even. So to me, Tyler, Aaron Rodgers, through this piece, and, and I've got my own theories as well, comes off as petty and thin-skinned. To me, Mike McCarthy comes off as a prideful man, but unwilling to evolve. And his ego was maybe bigger than anyone ever thought. To me, Mark Murphy comes off as a hands-off president. And Ted Thompson comes off as a guy who just said every year, well, he didn't make the Super Bowl this year, so we're not going to give you much to work with. Here's some new rookies. And his head was in the sand every offseason. It, it, it just didn't seem like any one of these guys were on the same page, lockstep, moving forward as a unit. And they needed to be. And, and you know, it's it's great how the Packers are set up. I mean, obviously, there's a football team in Green Bay because the fans own the team. I mean, that's incredible. I mean, it's one of the best stories in sports. But they could have used an owner, a voice, somebody in charge, balling up the fist, slamming it down on the table, and saying, "Enough! Get over here, Mike. Get over here, Mike. Get over here, Aaron. Sit down. We need that moment of reckoning." To make it happen, is it going to work or is it not going to work? And it sounds like that moment just never happened. Um, and, yeah, you can point the finger at a lot of people. Uh, they eventually, I think Mark Murphy did step in. Everything I've heard is that obviously they, they, he fired Mike McCarthy, and McCarthy wasn't happy with that, how that went down. It was inevitable at that point it was going to happen. I mean, the team was just not good last year. He lost control. Uh, but but even with Aaron Rodgers, um, it, it sounds like he is really making it clear, you know, enough of the bad headlines, um, don't be the problem, were the words that I heard he, he used Aaron Rodgers in that first conversation when he informed him that Matt LaFleur would be the head coach. And it wasn't a case where he needed the approval and he didn't make sure that it was going to be okay with his quarterback. No, like, he's basically saying, this is our choice. This is what we're going with. Um, let, let's go win some football games. And you're still in your prime. Let's make it happen in the Super Bowl window. So 
I think that's a good thing. I think that's, I think that's a good takeaway is that it seems like that leadership that hasn't been there for a while is there now. All right, Tyler, here we go. Some rapid-fire questions for you, just a sentence or two. Tell me what you think. Alex Van Pelt, former quarterback's coach for Aaron Rodgers. Did Mike McCarthy feel threatened by Van Pelt, and is that why Van Pelt is no longer with the team? I think so. I'm not sure how much, um, how much, uh, how big of a part that is to the decision, but I think it was part of the decision. And it's, it's kind of weird because everything I've heard is that Alex Van Pelt, you know, was supposed to develop this relationship with Aaron Rodgers and push him and challenge him. You know, and I think Aaron Rodgers looked at him as that intellectual equal, and there was a respect there that maybe wasn't there with Mike McCarthy and sounds like that McCarthy was a little threatened by that. I mean, that could have been a spot, uh, a juncture that McCarthy is able to stick around if he, if he empowers Van Pelt in that relationship. I mean, look at 2016. I think the last time we talked was when the Packers were three and five and we wrote an Aaron Rodgers story. And then Aaron Rodgers just has the best streak he had ever seen out of a quarterback in this generation. Van Pelt was a big reason for that. And for whatever reason, he was was let go when his contract was up. Did Aaron Rodgers deliberately undermine his head coach on the field and off? Uh, yes, I, I I think so. Um, you know, last last season more so than than any other. It, I, I think the fact that he he lost those veterans, those leaders in the locker room that maybe held him accountable. I think that you know, a guy like T.J. Lang, a guy like Josh Sitton, you know, they're not gonna they're not gonna put up with any BS. I mean, I think Rodgers kind of respected that too whether it's them whether it's uh, a ryan granite running back whether it's a bj raji on defense i mean his name came up a ton as those as the talent drained and the leadership drained he was kind of thrust into this role that he just doesn't really enjoy or embrace um you know even grant was saying in a conversation he had with rogers at one point you could just kind of tell like you know it's just kind of different being the old guy around and didn't embrace that role i think that i think that hurt and he just didn't have that accountability. So, yeah, he's, he's changing plays. He's drawing stuff up in the dirt. He's telling receivers to run a, a post when the play calls for a flag, all that kind of stuff. And it puts those young receivers in a, in a possible situation. Do you listen to your coach or do you listen to your quarterback? Did Mark Murphy turn his back to issues that were developing as early as 2007 when GM Ted Thompson would fall asleep during meetings? Did he deliberately turn his back to the issues that were developing because the team was winning? Gosh, I, I can't answer that directly, but it makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? I mean, they were a contender. They were making the playoffs. Aaron Rodgers is a two-time MVP. Things, by and large, are, are pretty good. But that's kind of the, the shame of it all is things should have been legendary. It should have been history. Um, you know, one player said they could have won six rings. Another said they could have won four. It was... You know, this was a dynasty, you know, right there for the taking, and they, they never got over that hump. So, yeah, I think the complacency is a factor. And I, I, the one area of this story that I wish could have maybe sunk our teeth in and maybe somebody out there will, I just get the vibe that the business side of things is growing, which is good. The title town district's amazing, but Ed Policy's name came up a, a couple times as – kind of a quiet puppet master, quote-unquote, from, from somebody there that, you know, I, it's never a great thing when, when business decisions start to seep into football. And I, I, I couldn't make that direct connection between the two, but it's something to keep an eye on. 
Check out his work, Bleacher Report, What Happened in Green Bay, a detailed look behind the curtain as written by our friend Tyler Dunn. Excellent work, Tyler. Thanks for joining us tonight, man. Awesome stuff. Hey, you got it, Greg. Thanks so much for having me on to talk about it. Tyler, that was great, man. I'll air this on my show later tonight. I'll tweet it out, and we'll, uh, we'll pump it through our audience as best as we can. Oh, fantastic. Man, thanks for having me on. I'm glad we were able to make it happen here. Yeah, thanks for doing that for me. I appreciate it. You got to keep in touch. We still got to get a beer one of these days. <laughs> we'll get you back to Green Bay. We'll make it happen. Yeah, I'm sure they'll roll out the red carpet for me. <laughs> you know it. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks so much. Take care. Yep, we'll see you, Greg. Yep, bye-bye.